Hello, and welcome to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. We are your hosts, Stephen Craig. And Parker Doman. This is episode 250. 250. Five away. Five away. Till we're done. <laughs> That's it, guys. We can't count higher than eight bits. Yeah, my memory runs out. Okay, so last weekend, um, I did the Extra Life charity. So an update is... Um, You're alive. I'm alive, yes. I am alive. <laughs> it was a 24-hour video game stream. Actually, I went for like 24 hours and 30 minutes. Oh, uh, overachiever here. Yeah, overachiever. And uh, and special th- uh, thanks to everyone that donated because we hit my I, my I hit my goal and actually exceeded it. We got uh, we raised two thousand six hundred dollars for the uh, Texas Children's Hospital Network. Um, so I'd like to thank everyone that donated, stopped by the stream, watched me die a couple times, that kind of stuff. So so uh, what was your original goal? Original goal was five hundred dollars. Oh, okay. You blew away the goal. And yeah, on Wednesday when the podcast went out, it immediately blew past a thousand. Um, and so I increased it to one thousand three hundred thirty-seven dollars. And um, yeah, and then early Sunday morning we blew through to two thousand six hundred. Nice. So, so so you played all the Half Life. Well, not all the Half uh, all the Half Life two games. Correct. Uh, and and got all the achievements? All the achievements. Every single one. We only missed one achievement on the first uh. game, which is there's like Lambda symbols all over the entire game. And I've gotten them all before, but I couldn't remember all of them. And we missed like five or six. Hmm. Uh, but we did get all the achievements and all the uh, expansions. Nice. Um, so one, one achievement out of like 100 achievements, I think is pretty good. And my yeah. achievement tracker worked great. I was pretty so excited that thing worked out. <laughs> You're the only person who codes extra scripts on top of a stream to do that. So congratulations. Yes. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I did it. I, I coded up stuff for one for 24 hours. It's like yeah. it's only useful life. Like a very finite amount of time. Yeah. <laughs> and it took about 24 hours of figuring out how to make that work. <laughs> Well, you might you might do something like this again, right? Oh yeah, for sure. But so I know how it just increased my JavaScript, CSS, HTML stack knowledge. Got increased a little bit. <laughs> the, 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 the the amount of knowledge for all of those words you just said in my head is more just like a heap of crap that's just sort of lying in my skull somewhere. Like there's no there's no stack there. No, no stack. <laughs> no, it's just a pile of crap. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's get on to some actual news. We touched a little bit on this last week, I think. Or was it? I think it was two weeks ago. But two yeah. weeks ago. Yeah. You're right, two weeks ago. Is, uh, cause, no, because last week was the election, and so we didn't really talk about anything like this. Um, but uh, we were reading an article called How Biden May Handle China and Electronics Trade. And I thought this article was really interesting because it's a... Uh, an opinion piece, I guess, is a good way to put it. Um, the basically just goes through all the things that's currently going on with the federal government and how they might change um, when Biden is in office. Um, there's currently a act called the Chips Act, and I, I need this job. 
I need the job that comes up with these acronyms. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I chips, think you'd be good at this. Because chips is creating helpful incentives for producing semiconductors. It's like that's awesome. It's <laughs> 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 um, so basically this is a a act that incentivizes the construction of semiconductor manufacturing facilities and equipment here in America. Um, I don't think it's been passed yet, but it is getting there. Um, I basically, it's just like telling manufacturers, Hey, you need to build their factory here. So I don't think there's any like, uh, trade regulations or anything in it. It's just like incentives for companies to build stuff here. Mm-hmm. Well, that stuff being semiconductors. Um, now, if you read Biden's, I think, what was it called? Made in America. Yep. What was that page called? Um, Made in all co- of America. All of America, yes. Um, he calls for $300 billion of new funding over four years for R&D and breakthrough technologies like AI and quantum computing. But then after that, it doesn't say anything else about that. Like, it's really, really high level. Uh, yeah, do more. I'll poke you with a stick. Do more manufacturing. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, He also called for uh, U.S. semiconductor supply chain resiliency. Yeah, that's the next thing is um, his only comment on China really is on like IP protection and stuff. But aggressive, this is a quote, aggressive trade enforcement actions against China. And that's it. Like, what's that mean? Aggressive trade enforcement actions against China. You know, like like Trump or not, uh, that's what Trump was attempting to do with the tariffs. He was actually taking aggressive trade enforcements. Yeah. Uh, so, so I don't know. I was talking with my my boss earlier uh, today about this. Um, in so many ways, it seems like the Biden administration, like their their rule of thumb is just do not Trump thing. You know, um, and and so. That would that would kind of lead towards hey let's just eliminate the the tariffs but we were also contemplating the idea that's like well those things are probably fairly lucrative and the government's not usually very uh, willing to get rid of another source of revenue so I wouldn't be surprised if, if the tariffs stick around yeah especially where with a quote like that aggressive trade enforcement actions it's it feels like either we want to keep those tariffs around. Or more tariffs is what it sounds like. Hmm. Interesting. Um, it, it, uh, honestly, it sounds more like. Uh, well, it's, it sounds like there there could be some verbal diplomacy that is akin to the uh, the screensaver in Jurassic Park, where it's like ah 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 That's the form of aggressive trade enforcement. Yeah. And <laughs> and this is the funny thing is, I think the majority of people, like the majority of people in America, don't remember about these tariffs. Probably not. Uh, like, like how that was all what was it 20 it was early 2019 and all of 2018 was like this stuff yeah but 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 i bet you if you asked uh, the average american they would probably say that they noticed price increases on things maybe um i mean if we really want to get in the weeds on it it's like i would like this is me personally i would like to see Increase in tariffs, but on because because we talked about this previously is the tariffs are on like components and like sub assemblies, and 
which doesn't really hurt the larger companies as much because they have their whole f- they have a whole factory in China, right? And they pump out microwaves. Well, they ship a whole microwave to, to the United States or a toaster, right? But if you are if you're a Stephen Craig Toaster Inc., you know you're only putting out like ten artisan post toasters a week, right? <laughs> artisan toasters <laughs> and. But you, so you're you're sourcing your subcomponents in China, but you got a pair of tariff on those subcomponents. But um, uh, big box toaster doesn't have to pa- have any tariffs because they have a full, you know, they there's, they're importing a full toaster already ready to go. It's a conspiracy from Big Toaster. <laughs> yeah, it's a conspiracy from Big Toast. <laughs> Wait, am I gonna have to pay tariffs on that very special chip with the bagel pin? Yes. Uh, on top of that, man. Well, I if just, it comes from if it comes from China, yeah. I don't well, know I where mean, it's, made. it's the little guys like me trying to make all my special artisan toasters. We're the ones getting screwed here, you know. Yeah, exactly. So I'd like to see it rewritten to be more of it tackling uh, fully assembled products. That's what I would like to see. Well, I, I wonder. I wonder how much it's trying to tackle subassemblies because of the whole "made in America" thing, where a subassembly gets here, we put one screw in it and put it in a box and claim that it's made in America. I wonder if that's what the tariffs were really trying to attack. Well, and we, we we covered similar stuff, but when you start digging down into like the tariff codes for it, it's like, hmm, this is oddly very specific. I wonder what constituent is is this <laughs> yeah yeah what what congressman was like oh i i own motor controllers for six kilowatt motors but no more than six kilowatt and no less than six kilowatt let's just write that in yeah it's very weird what what the cutoffs are on some of that stuff yeah it feels very porky yeah it's like transformers like we were talking about transformers like the transformer stuff is like large transformers is protected like you can't or there's a lot of tariffs on large and uh transformers but yellow tape transformers don't have tariffs Hmm. because no one makes them those in america at all (laughs) right exactly yeah there's no mom and pop transformer shop that makes those anymore well they probably could it's just you know a congressman doesn't care about them (laughs) um so that's uh, if, if if I'd like to see taken off of like actual components and put on full on toasters, final <laughs> product, final assembly, because that's what's that's what's really hurting, I think. Well, okay, okay, yeah, I I see some I see some potential issues with that because um, there's. It would be so easy to create a loophole to say, well, this is not a final assembly because we haven't put the quality control sticker on it. You yeah, know? I know. It but would be really hard to say. Well, there's already um, there's already legislate, and that's not legislation, but there's already the the tariff, not tariff, but the uh, import import stuff already has like legislative on like what it means to be made in America. Basically like the majority of the 
value added to the product has to be done in the United States. That's how they view <laughs> I it. bet you could loophole that too, where you say like, oh, if it was tested by an American, then there's a lot of quality and a lot of value in that test, you know? Well, the, the, it would be the value of the test would have to double the value of the toaster. Probably so, not that hard, honestly. But so the so the thing is, you'd have to have two toasters. One would have to fail, and you have to destroy it, and the other one gets passed, and all and all then that. Then it gets that "Made in America" sticker. Yeah, right, right. And then there's God. It's just dripping with value at that point. <laughs> dripping with value. You know. Okay. So uh, when I first moved up to Denver, um, my my folks came with me to kind of just help move, um, and and I remember we went to a thrift store. And uh, we saw a toaster there, uh, and I was—I didn't have a toaster at the time, so I was like, "Hey, let's pick up a toaster." And they had a, a toaster at the thrift store. It was like twelve dollars or something like that. And I was like, "Ah, oh, you know, I'm, if I really want it, I'll come back and put twelve dollars down." And we went to Walmart later to just pick up some random stuff, and they had that exact same toaster, but brand new, and it was seven ninety nine. <laughs> like it was cheaper <laughs> directly off the shelf at Walmart. How do you make a toaster and make money for seven ninety nine and ship it halfway across the world? I just it, it's crazy. The mind boggles. I I, I know how, but oh, well, we'll, yeah. we'll talk about it on another podcast. I yeah, guess. you won't say it right now. <laughs> yeah, I get uh, a little saucy about that topic. Oh, uh, sure. <laughs> so so actually, uh, so so back to your your um, the the chips act. You were excited about about having uh, or, or potentially you would be a good candidate for someone to name things like that. Uh, my boss sent me an email today and it, it's, it's, it was one of the, it's, I don't know how do I, how do I put this? It's a little bit of a clickbaity email. Cause it was like, are you understanding the new regulations that are coming through? Will this affect your business? You know, it's one of those kinds oh, of, yeah. of emails. But but of course, like I was interested because I don't know. I'll click on the link, see what what it says. And uh, on October twenty eighth, the European Chemicals Agency, the ECHA, formally launched the get ready for this Substances of Concern in Products database, the SCIP, which what. What the hell does that mean? Substances of concern in products? Like, is this like this Rojas, like Rojas 2.0? Or like, like Super Ro- Rojas? Or, uh, was it? Was it Prop 62? Was it Prop 69? I don't know. California. Prop 420, 69, <laughs> 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 but, but like substances of concern. No, apparently Prop 69 is the DNA initiative. What? Oh, that from okay. California. What's the one with with lead? With that's on that's on every product. <laughs> the one with lead. That's uh, that's Rojas. Uh, California's got one. Oh yeah. Well, was it Prop Twenty Two? I don't I don't know which one they do. I know that they. Uh, uh, it's Cal- not just lead. It's it's basically it's cadmium uh, can- and, and it's, mercury. Yeah, and all it's kinds any of can- it's any material that's not been proven to not cause cancer. That's what it's for. Not been proven to not cause cancer. You have to put that sticker on it. Because it oh, could potentially yeah, yeah. cause okay. cancer. Because we haven't proved it can't cause cancer. Any, anything known to the state of cancer to cause California? Yes. Sorry for everyone. Oh, Proposition 65 is what it is. 
Warning, consuming foods or beverages known to be kept in leaded... Blah, 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 blah. What's the, uh... What's the thing from Star Wars where, uh... Gosh, what am I thinking about? From the original trilogy of, uh... Operation 66 or something like that? Oh, it's just, uh, Execute Order 66. Yeah, Order 66, that's what it is. Yeah, it's from, uh... Revenge of the Sith. Right, right. Kill all the younglings. Huh. Well we'll have to we'll have to see how all of this plays out. Um I think I think the next handful of years are gonna be really interesting. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be another roller coaster ride. Oh, it's always gonna be it's always gonna be a roller coaster. <laughs> I maybe America should just um Say you know we've been in we've been in some kind of bad relationships for the past two hundred something years. We just can we take four years off and just have some me time? You know, just <laughs> me time. <laughs> get back to it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, so the other day, I got the inkling to buy a Raspberry Pi four. Um, so I I have a Raspberry Pi. I have a two. I have a three. And I have a four now. I don't remember which variant. Did you get a four hundred yet? I, you know, I want. I wanted the four hundred, but I wanted the Pi four eight gig, and the the Pi four hundred doesn't do that. And the whole purpose of me buying this Pi is I'm I'm setting up a server, um, and so like it has like effectively a one time setup, and then I don't need to access it again. So I didn't need to pay for the extra little fancy keyboard. I can just plug in a USB keyboard. Although the the Pi four hundred is really cool, I kind of I yes. kind of dig it. Um, I, I like it a lot too. Did we talk about that at all in the podcast? No, we haven't. I think we just talked about it offline. Yeah, uh, for a bit. But um, anyways, we'll talk about it after after your adventure. Well, so it's the adventure's just beginning. Uh, so so I got I got chapter a, one. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> or in Orient prologue. Uh, we are we are way in like uh, Raspberry Pi origins here. Oh, for, so we're 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 reading the back of the book in the bookstore still. Oh yeah, no, nah, we're we're even before that. The we're synopsis. Like, <laughs> we're the person trying to bind the book and 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 choose what color it is. Uh, so I'm not a Linux guy. I'm not a Ubuntu guy. I'm not any of those. I don't do the sudos or the nanos. I'm not any of those kind of guys. And, but like I'm playing with it, and it's and it's interesting, and and really the whole reason why I'm um, I'm trying to get into this is because I found an open source ERP system called ERP Next that really uh, got me intrigued that I want to play around with. Uh, ERP Next or ERP is uh, an, an uh, enterprise resource planning system, which is basically in a nutshell, it's an all-in-one software system for a business uh, where you can uh, handle accounting, HR and payroll, manufacturing, sales and purchasing, your CRM system, your projects, blah, 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 all of it. You can kind of have it under one umbrella. And I've worked with a handful of ERP systems uh, throughout my career. I've done IFS. Um, I currently do Alini, which isn't a full ERP system, but it's... Um, it does more MRP stuff, but it's similar. Uh, at Macrofab, Macrofab basically developed an ERP system. 
kind uh, of yeah and then and then stitch together third party software to make it ERP uh but but I've I've always enjoyed playing around with the ERP systems I'm a I'm a dork and so when I saw that this was an open source ERP system I was like this would be really cool to uh play around with and see if it's something that is worthwhile for on my own side uh doing my own thing but also possibly at work because we we have QuickBooks and we do a bunch of other stuff on the side along with our manufacturing programs. What would it look like if we unified everything? Uh, so I saw ERP Next and it, it is a, a full ERP system that runs on Linux and the reason or the first thing that came to mind is like, oh, can I set up a Raspberry Pi server such that I or anyone else could just log into it if they have uh, user access and then have an ERP anywhere for the cost of a raspberry pi so i've been trying to install stuff on this and uh it's it's been a nightmare so far mainly because like the one thing i don't understand or just don't get about coding guys just because like my brain just doesn't work that way is like y'all just know what to do like i like the it doesn't make any sense to me. Like uh, coding guys just like they see this is like bazillions of characters fly past them and they're like, Oh, well that means this. And that means I need to do that. And you understand what's happening under the hood. And it's like, how do you learn all this shit? You know, <laughs> how do you get all this? See, you see, they look at a, a PCB and go, what are all those electrons flying around? And you're like, I know what that means. Yeah, I know no, what the yeah. formula is to make that work. It's the same thing. It's just experience. Exactly. And that's the whole thing. Like I'm, I'm putting some effort into, to kind of like get my feet wet and not be one of those guys. That's like, what the hell is going on? Uh, it, it, the, the biggest, the, the, the biggest, uh, uh, problem is if you don't try, right. Is if you yep. don't put some effort in and, and, if you put effort in and find out that you absolutely detest doing something and then stop doing it, at least you put the effort in, right? But if you just look at something and say, like, I'm never going to touch that, then I don't know. Whatever. That's off on a tangent. Uh, so I'm trying to get this ERP next installed on a Raspberry Pi. And I probably bit off a, l a little bit more than I could chew because ERP next is not necessarily intended to be used on a Raspberry Pi. And it's not like there's lots of instructions on how to install this on a Raspberry Pi. Um, but but the thing that really kind of drove me to it is the fact that uh, Ubuntu is now available as a full install on Raspberry Pi, and most of the instructions for ERP Next is to um, is to install on a virtual machine running Ubuntu. So I was like, hey, you know, I'll I'll, I'll give it a give it a shot. Um, you know, I, I got a I got a funny side tangent about this Raspberry Pi because I totally. My ADD kicked in super hard the other day when I when I was researching ERP Next, and uh, I researched it. I was like, "This is something I want to try. Let me go get a Pi Four, because I the, it, just because." And uh, so I drive over to Micro Center, and I know that they have Pi Fours uh, in the eight gig version because I just wanted the beefiest Pi I could get. Let me let me have the the, the beef guy. So I I go over. And, and I'm looking all over the place. I can find Pi 3s. I even found a, a, a Pi 2. I finally walked around the corner and in the counter or the desk there, they have Pi 4s in the 2 and 4 gig version. But their website said that they had Pi 4s in the 8 gig version. And, uh, and 
So I find I find this kid who's working there, and I was like, "Hey, I'm looking for a Pi Four in the eight gig version," and and he kind of like snaps his fingers and like points over and like beckons me to follow him and we go over to this little <laughs> glass case that's over on the side and he's like now you know this thing is really powerful right and and I'm, i look i'm I, no, no 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 here's the thing i'm not paraphrasing not paraphrasing here like the, the, this guy is like also it runs super super hot you got to be really careful about this I'm like okay cool yeah that's all right I'll I'll take it and uh, and he's like hey you're going to need a you're going to need a case with a fan on this thing and you're going to need the very specific power adapter. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's uh, 15 watts. I read that on the uh, on the, the website. And the kid kind of, like, stopped for a second because, like, I could tell that he didn't know what 15 watts meant. Uh, he just knew he needed the beef power He knew supply. you needed that brick. And, and he was very specific. It would not work with any other power supply. And then he tried to, like, wheel it around like he knew what he was talking about. And he goes, oh, yeah, 15 watts no less and absolutely no more than 15 watts and i was like cool kid cool cool <laughs> i don't know it was fun but uh, but uh, yeah so i bought their their super magical 15 watt brick because that's the only thing that could ever power up high right it's got the electrons in the correct polarity oh yeah yeah cryogenically aligned uh copper right <laughs> nitrogen infused so so last night I actually spent uh, like two or three hours just playing around with the installs and 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 the the part that the part that really sucks about working with Linux is like it's actually easy to to navigate around and it's like generally uh, like easy to understand what's going on. There's just so much like it gives you so much power and it lets you know everything that's going on. And, well, unless you tell it, I don't want to know what's going on. But like in general, it's just like, well, you're going to get everything. And and I heard a, an anecdote a while ago where where somebody said, um, if you if you get a copy of Linux, you get a, a wrench that goes along with it because you're going to need to fix every little thing that's up with it or tune it up yourself. And that feels really true. Like every little thing about it is uh, you're in control in a way. And uh, that's cool, but it's also, like, daunting. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I got, like, 40% of the way through doing an install of ERP next. And uh, what I think I might end up doing, because I'm going through all of this effort to, to just try this software for fun. And, I, and, and my, my idea is, if this doesn't work out, I have a Pi 4 that I can load games onto and just play, like, arcade games on my TV. So... Like I, I'm not losing in this situation. Um, uh, ERP Next has like a free trial where you can just run everything through like a cloud service for 14 days. So if I really get to the point where I'm just beating my head on a table and I can't install things, I'll just try it for 14 days and see what it see what it's like. But I kind of wanted to challenge myself and be like, "Hey, can you actually get this thing to install?" And I've gotten kind of far, but it sucks. <laughs> Yeah, when I, I started doing more software stuff at work and using Linux more, mainly for um, Python development, that kind of stuff, is I ran into those same kind of issues you are, where, like, people assume your knowledge base. And and so what you have to do is you whenever you hit that roadblock, the seriously, the best thing I found out is emailing the people who wrote that tutorial or whatever and be like, I got this part. What 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 are you expecting me to do now at this point? 
Because a lot of times is they will email you back within like 12 hours and be like, oh, that's actually a good point. That's a good gap there. Let me add that to the tutorial. You know, um, they, so they, this one particular tutorial that I'm trying to go through has some bash, bash scripts that basically just like compile everything for you in yeah. a sense. Um, and I've already found some bugs and fixed some bugs in their stuff because, and it's simple stuff. It's just all syntax crap. It's like, oh, you meant to do this quotation as, as opposed to that. Even though their instructions are like, we have tested this and it works. So it's like, well, no. It worked on that one particular computer that the intern was using. You see, that's that's the biggest thing that I think the uh, the bigger players like Apple and Windows are the reason they're so bloated I, it feels like to me is that they're they're always trying to protect themselves against not being able to function. Whereas Linux is like, well, if it doesn't function, you'll just fix it, right? You know. Or add what you need. Right, exactly. Yeah. I I don't know. It's fun. Yeah, Python is like that a lot. You'll have like modules and stuff. And so when when I hand a script off to another engineer, I'm like, have fun. Just install whatever modules it complains about that you need. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. But I, I am slowly starting to work on, I said one-off scripts is starting to work on a, especially with this more JavaScript stuff I've been working on is a more web-based system uh for for our engineers which would be a lot nicer it's very macro fab of you yes and it's it's just instead of having to like oh i fixed this one bug now i have to go find who's using this script and tell them to use the new one instead of just like updating it in one spot i.e a website so cool but yeah oh Raspberry Pi 400. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I really like... So, a lot of people were talking about, like, it's like the Commodores and stuff, which it kind of is. It actually reminds me more of the Atari, especially the name, the Atari uh, computers, the 8-bit computers, like, because the Atari 400 was a, a computer. Um, so, I think it's more like an Atari computer than a Commodore computer, in my mind. Um, but it, I, I, it would I actually just be more Atari if they incre incremented it by 400 every single time. Right? Yes, which might happen. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, but they definitely got the four from it's a Raspberry Pi four inside of it. Um, I do like the how they have the the I/O is like on the back because I'm I'm totally envisioning using this for like controlling fixtures and testing apparatuses at, at work and like being able to plug the Raspberry Pi 400 into like the test fixture and that's all you have to do and so you just like plug that thing in with that 2 by was it 20 connector mm -hmm. header connector yeah and uh, I mean Python's native so you can run any of your clients Python scripts on it oh yeah no. it's you know the thing and is it's got built in Wi-Fi pretty rad and bluetooth yeah it it doesn't come in the eight gig version which you know yes. probably don't need but uh depending on what operating system you put on it they can be kind of thirsty for ram yeah um probably the normal raspbian what was it what's they, it called raspbian they stopped calling it raspbian um i think oh. they, they that started confusing people they just call it raspberry pi os now 
Okay. That thing is going to be fine. I mean, I don't see any reason why to not use that for what we what we do at work with it. For sure. So. Okay. Next topic. Drawing wiring harness diagrams for contract manufacturing. So, we're all over the place today. Yeah, so lot so well, I think it was last week. Last week I had to go draw some wiring diagrams up um, for a customer and I was like last time I did this was like four years ago didn't really want to use uh, Inkscape um, mainly because I have Autodesk Fusion 360 which is like uber powerful um, so I I was lucky enough to where the components that the customer wanted to use have like models that had step files on their website so I was able to download those import those and then I actually made all the harness all the scale so I like I did a I imported the connectors as a step files and then I on did a sketch of where the center lines of all the wires would go and then I just drew a tube I use like there's like a tube function that's a solid mm-hmm. and so you can make a tube on all those and then I colored them what color the wires would be and everything was a scale so when I imported it over into the drawing feature of Autodesk which basically makes a a you know you can make a page drawing um, and I was able to do all the call outs for all the connectors what the part numbers were um, and you can do the color and uh, call out the uh, the specs on the wiring that kind of stuff um, I was pretty happy with it and this led down the rabbit hole of like how do you tolerance um, wires as well and there's actually an IPC um, IPC uh, document for it what was that document name uh, it's in Slack you sent it to me yeah I think it's I think it's interesting because um, Parker sent me um, his his Wiring IPC do- huh, IPC WHMA hyphen A hyphen six twenty. That one requirements and acceptance for cable and wiring harnesses. That one. <laughs> That's actually the old one from two thousand two. It could be a different name now. But, yeah, but it, but I mean, like how much stuff changes, you know? Yeah, yeah. It will change when we have uh, three hundred billion dollars for. AI and quantum computing. We have to make quantum harnesses now. <laughs> they're, they're harnesses that can be connected to anything at any time. Unless you observe them. Yeah, and then they choose a connector. <laughs> they choose. <laughs> <laughs> you collapse the connector function. Yes. Okay, anyway, anyways. Um, and I sent it over to you if they were fine. You said they were they're, they were good. No, I, I think they're good. The, the thing is, they're, they... I think that they're super modern, and and frankly, I think that we should go more that that route uh, in in engineering as a whole. And I say modern as in like they're fully colored, they're fully uh, like shaded, uh, like they look more like an actual connector. Uh, and don't get me wrong, like I adore the old version or the classic version of engineering drawings. And there's a lot to be said about like handing a machinist a drawing of like the the square you want him to mill out of something. It doesn't need to be in full color or anything like that. But the way Parker did it, I, I really like it because it looks clean, but it's also like, you don't have to have like a color call out table. It's like, 
the color is written on there. And you, and you know, if you wanted to go further, you could write a note and say like color is depicted on drawing because people have ability to see color on their machines now, nowadays, yeah. you know? <laughs> I, well, I did do, I did color depicted on wires and I called out the color in the text because people are colorblind. So you sure. can't just assume that they, if you have a red and green wire, which one do you cut? <laughs> It'll blow up if you cut the wrong one. This PDF will self-destruct in five, four, three. <laughs> but um so yeah, it was it was a fun little adventure to go down that rabbit hole. Now it's like one of those okay, now I have this process of building wiring diagrams. Now my choice of picking connectors is influenced by whether or not that company has a step file for it now. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot of truth to that. Actually, because Fusion 360 is really, really, really happy if it has a 3D model, and it gets really, really, really grumpy if it doesn't have a 3D model. And and when you go to make a drawing or an assembly or something, and then you say if you have like 99% of the items you need for your drawing, but you just need one more, and you don't have a step file, and you just want to draw it, like Fusion's going to make it hard on you, unfortunately. Yeah. It's going to make you want to draw the 3D model of it. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that's stemming from we're starting to move towards it used to we're trying to move towards the 3d realm as being the source of truth. I think we talked about this before with, uh, zometry actually, um, where the 3d models are starting to become the source of truth, not the drawings anymore. Cause it used to be the piece of paper blueprint that you had was the source of truth. And then it, it that's been starting to road away into well, actually, the 3D model is more representative of the final product than the drawings can be. Which is funny because that seems like, I don't know, my stomach is turning in knots when, when you say that because it's like, that shouldn't be true. And, but like, but, but you see that all the time now. Yeah, you, see, you, see, you see crap like that all the time, especially, gosh, I cannot tell you how often I run into drawings where like, it's impossible to use the drawing because like, yeah. it'll give you two dimensions and they're two that you don't care about. And, and they're like, not referenced to a single origin. Yeah, they're not referenced to anything that matters. Or, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just like, okay, cool, thanks. I'm glad I know how long this weird thing that juts off the side of your connector is. But, like, I don't oh, know man. the size of the connector. <laughs> the worst is when you're trying to find where you should put a connector in relationship to, like, the edge of the board. Mm. And you're like, I want to know, okay, the center of like the solder lug, right? Or whatever. Maybe the back of the connector. Any relationship of the connector, what is the end of the connector that overhangs the board? Where does that go? Good luck finding it on half the connectors out there. Right. Have fun with that. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, man. That, that <laughs> boils my gears. So I tried something, <laughs> I tried something new the other day in, in a connector drawing. Um, because I've, I've never done this before, but I had five wire harnesses to, to get quoted from a place. And I had, like, not a lot of time to do it. So normally when I do my drawings, I make them super pretty. Like, I will model out the wires. I'll model out, like, I, I, if it's ribbon connectors, I'll do the ribbon. I'll even paint the red stripe down the side of the ribbon. I'll make it look super nice. Because I, I, I want it to be, if it gets screwed up, it ain't my fault. You, you looked at my thing wrong. You know, like, that. I want, it to be, <laughs> I want it to be rock solid. But 
I had five harnesses to make. They were super complex. They uh, one one of these five had twenty different wires on it of different colors, different lengths that all terminated. One side had a twenty. Uh, it was a twenty conductor. Uh, connector and then they broke apart into some of them where three wires go to this connector some two go to this one two of these go to this other three pin where one is missing and like all of this crap it was just super crazy and it would be a nightmare to model all of those wires going all of those places so i tried a new thing where i drew just the connectors on uh, i drew the 20 pin on the left side and i drew all the various two and three pins on the right side and then I drew one wire that goes off to a middle point in between those and then spawns off into a bunch of other l- lines. And I just wrote above that line 20 conductors. Uh, oh, it's like a bus. In, uh, it's like a bus. Yeah, I basically did a bus, a bus drawing. And then I also put a table that was like pin one of this connector connects to pin one of this connector and is this color and is this length. And it was like a really comprehensive table. And I did that for all five of these wiring harnesses. I kind of didn't like it because it's not up to the normal standard that I did, but I was, I was up against time. Like I just couldn't do it that way. I had to knock them all out in basically one day and I sent them off and I, and I got quotes back overnight on them. And like there were zero complaints. There was nothing about no questions about anything. I was like, Oh, okay. Well that, that actually worked. That's the best feeling is when you send out, get stuff for quotes and there's no EQs. No, they're just, here's how much it cost. Yeah, here's the price. Yep. And, oh, even better, if you get a lead time with that, too. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you're asking for too much now. (laughs) Have you sent yours out for quotes yet? This one, no, I'm not doing that. So I'm going to bet you actually Supply Chain has, and I haven't heard anything back, so I'm going to assume everything was good there. But I'm actually going to be drawing uh, harnesses for Pinotaur this week. Um, so I can actually talk about it cause I'll be getting those quoted out. So I'm actually, I think, yeah, I should draw those out and I'll be able to share those as well. Um, and so I can share like the process I did and then, um, I should share also like with the quotes I get back for Pinotar for those, uh, harnesses. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Like and any questions I got on them. So maybe, you know, next um, week. I, I, it looks like you use the, uh, fusion default title block yeah Uh, there is the possibility because i've done it at work to create your own custom title block but it's kind of goofy the way fusion does it like you would think that fusion would be like oh you're gonna have your own title block you have your own company you know you're gonna customize it to have your stuff on it you you basically have to create a brand new title block and then save it as a file somewhere in the file structure and it's a template, and then anytime you open a new uh, uh, drawing, you have to point to that. And it just feels really clunky. And it's like, come on, like this is a this is a drawing. Like you're, we we expect we're going to be doing this very very often, you know. So I don't know. It feels really clunky to do. And and it's really. Um, I had to spend a bit of time figuring out how to do more than one sheet. Because I know there's a, like there's a button down at the bottom that allows you to yeah, at add the bottom, more I sheets. I did see that. Yeah. But if you add more sheets, it doesn't necessarily import the title block correctly to the second sheet. Yeah, exactly. Parker's face is like what? But it's like it's so weird to have like this program that does so much stuff, but then when it comes down to something that seems fundamental, it's tough. But but you know what? 
I feel that fusion is kind of going the route that you're saying where, yeah, the drawing is super important, but the 3d model matters a lot more to them. So yeah. maybe that's the case. And the, the thing is when you do the dimensions in the drawing, it's pulling it straight off the model. And yeah. That's actually what's the nice thing is like, once you do that and you have to go back and change your model, cause like, Oh, I need to do a revision. All your drawings get updated automatically. Oh yeah, it cascades. It's it cascades. awesome. It's like, oh yes, it's so good. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to. You don't have to like handle all that stuff. It just does it for you. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. nice. I th- yeah. I think they're gonna put some more effort into making their two D drawings uh, better. A- at oh, least that's sure. what I've read. Oh for sure. I think that's gonna wrap up this episode. Yeah. So that was the MacFab wiring diagram podcast sure we'll go with that that's all right we're your host parker dillman and stephen craig later everyone take it easy artists and toasters